All right, guys, I've been waiting for this one. Uh, have you started holiday shopping yet? Uh, if you're like me, 2020 has felt like the longest year yet. Here we are getting ready for the holidays. And just like most everything else, even shopping looks a little bit different. And that's where Sally Sue Collections comes in. They're an online boutique with personalized goods to fit your taste and style. And there's plenty of fun and sassy items in stock and ready to ship. Mugs to tumblers to shirts and hats and gifts for our amazing teachers and frontline workers. SallySueCollections.com has you covered. Give the gift of thoughtfulness this year and stand out with fun and unique items. And you'll also be supporting a local business. And and that's what this whole thing is about. Shop local, support local. Um, with SallySueCollections.com, your shopping experience is 100% contactless. And keep in mind that due to the volume of online shopping this year, orders are anticipated to be high. So what does that mean for you? Shop early and then kick back and enjoy your time with friends and family. There's never been a better year to plan ahead, shop safely, and find those special gifts for your loved ones, friends, and colleagues. And that's where SallySueCollections.com comes in. Visit them. Sally Sue Collections. Get in there, get your gifts, and have a rockin' end of the year. All right, guys, you know that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Happiest. Happiest is your number one place to go for premium CBD products at a fraction of the cost. This is perfect for any first-time user and for the veteran user. There's no THC. It's locally sourced and third-party tested, so you don't have to worry about paying for any fancy celebrities or a drug test. These guys have something for everybody, and I personally enjoy their products. In fact, my favorite one's the Sleep Aid, so go check them out, happiestmed.com. H-E-P-I-U-S-M-E-D.com right in time for the holiday seasons. Again, go check them out, happiestmed.com and have fun. All right, guys, we're back with another episode of The Thinking Project. And just so you guys are aware, if you're not following me on social media, please do. In fact, I have the Facebook page, but I've switched to a group where we can be more interactive. Uh, I had to get rid of my community number. So if you're part of that, uh, don't worry about it anymore. Um, But join the group because that's where I'm going to post my videos. That's where I'm going to ask the questions and get really involved because Facebook groups just seem to be a little more uh, intuitive, a little better to work with. Uh, And so with all that being said, go join the Thinking Project group on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram at Dalton K. Jensen. Without further ado, let me introduce our next guest. Bart Merrill is the host of monetize your mindset podcast. So go check that one out. That's what I love about being a podcast host. You know, I get to interview a lot of great people and other great people who have podcasts. You know, I've interviewed a a lot of them and Bart is another one that I just, I really appreciate it. I love his podcast. So go check it out. Uh, He was with me today and got to tell his story and in a long form dialogue, we had a great conversation. He tells, uh, he tells some amazing stories. Hold out for the end when he tells the the story of where it all starts. Um, The, the pig poop story. I'm going to let you know that up front. It's the story is way better than the title, but the title makes you draws you in. So go check it out. Bar Merrill uh, also has a book, Monetize Your Mindset. Uh, he'll talk about all that, um, where I, I interview small business owners uh, who and, and love their story. He interviews uh, small business owners. Um, and he also teaches people how to find their passion and find their, and maybe not even their passion, but find their business. So Bart Merrill is amazing. We had a great conversation and I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it. So without further ado, Bart Merrill. Welcome everybody. This is Don Jensen and you're tuning into the thinking project. Thanks for coming back. No worries. 
<laughs> my I have done the same thing, but it hadn't been from a computer crash. It had been from either I uh, had Zoom issues. Yeah. When I went back to the recording or oh the stupidest one is I had done it was Ty Bennett. I don't know if you know Ty Bennett, but he's a Okay. He's a speaker that probably makes close to a million dollars a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I had done the whole thing and put it up in in Audible. <laughs> They're not Audible in Audacity. Yeah. Done the edit. I came downstairs to do the intro, and I deleted my my SD card. Oh no! <laughs> you know, so I, I I formatted my SD card, not realizing that what I had in Audacity depends on his recording in the SD card. Yeah. And I went back to get it to go, and I couldn't get it to go. Oh no! <laughs> because the source was gone. Oh my I had goodness! To ask him to let me come do it again. So. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I had three that I did. I had like three uh, that I did and I was like ready to go and I, I left my computer overnight and I, you know, closed my computer and it turned off. And then when I, when I got back, like it wasn't turning on and I was like, what the heck is going on? And opened my computer and I lost like almost everything on my desktop. But what was funny was um, because the recordings were so new, it didn't have time to update to my iCloud, my, like my backup. So uh -huh. everything else was fine except all my podcast recordings. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> that's gotta be, that's gotta uh, be frustrating. Oh, it was. And so I'm grateful that you were able to come back. And I was like, man, that was such a good one the first time, but we'll have fun again. And we'll Hopefully we can do it as good the second time. <laughs> I think I think it'll be better the second time. But um, no, th thanks for thanks for coming back and joining me and and uh, let me pick your brain again. Um, I guess the I guess where I want to start from the first time because now that now that our listeners know we had a mishap with technology. Um, you know, we're, we'll start. We'll just start over. But so tell us like what you do right now you have a podcast called monetize your mindset um and tell us like the story of how you started that podcast and and your other endeavors and so monetize your mindset came about actually i i joined the national speakers association to help me get better at presenting yeah and i had a speech coach and we sat down and we were talking thing. And, and seriously, all I was thinking about was presentations for, for being in front of the room for network marketing companies and stuff like that. I, I had no idea of no thoughts of monetize your mindset or becoming a, a speaker, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we sat down and we talked about, just talked about me, talked about my life and what was going on. And he heard some of my stories and he said, dude, you, we need to, we need to get this into be, being a speaker. And then after we got to that point to where I was looking at being a speaker, well, then it comes down to, okay, what is your message? What are, what, what am I going to be? Who am I going to be? And monetize your mindset came to my head wow. because of some of my 
my stories, we, I wanted to, my whole goal in life was to become an FBI agent. I went to college, <laughs> I studied accounting. I wasn't good at accounting. I didn't like accounting, but it was an easy way into the FBI. And once you got in the FBI, you got to apply for the different positions. So I didn't have to stay in the white collar crime area. Okay. And I really wanted to chase serial killers. I didn't want to chase accountant <laughs> numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. But then about my last quarter up at Utah State University, I took off and I went home to help my dad on the pig farm down in Southern New Mexico. One to help him, but two to help me with my Spanish. And oh, yes, of course. I would be on the farm. I'd be speaking with just people who spoke Spanish for the most part. And while I was there, I'm in, I'm in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico. I'm making money. I have no place to spend the money. It's burning holes in my pocket. <laughs> Several people that I know that are in the customs, the border patrol police forces down there were getting this new thing done on their, all, on their eyes called RK surgery. And what they would do in this RK, it was before LASIK, they go in and they cut your eyeball. And then I guess the scarring changes the shape of your eyeball and it corrects your vision. Oh, wow. And so I went in and I had that done, went back up to Utah State University, started to do the application process for the FBI. And I found out that automatically disqualifies me. Oh, my goodness. And so I'm devastated. I'm devastated. <laughs> I'm doing my part-time job as a landscaper. I, you know, I finish up my school. I'm graduated with an accounting degree. I've applied a few places, but I didn't yeah. want to be an accountant. Right, right. You know, that's not, that wasn't my goal. My whole goal for yeah. doing that was to get in the FBI. Right, right. You know, what's so funny about that story. I don't think, I, I think you told me that there was a surgery, but I didn't think, I didn't think you went into detail on that, on that eye, eye surgery part. And now that I know that part, it's kind of weird that the FBI disqualified you for that. I mean, it corrected your vision. It made it better. What, yeah, why so wouldn't that work? Until three years ago, I didn't have glasses. Oh, and wow. so it lasted for a long time, but at the time it was considered experimental and oh. even this day, I believe you can't get in the FBI if you've had LASIK done. You can get it done after you get in, but not before. <laughs> that is so weird. And it's the same thing back then for the RK surgery. Yeah. I could get it done after I got in, but not before. Wow. That's so strange. But I was devastated. I mean, I was yeah, devastated. Yeah, I can imagine. And so that kind of put me on this new trajectory of where was I going to go? Yeah. And I fell back on what I had learned or experienced from my dad. Now my dad was a pig farmer, but he wasn't just a farmer. He was a businessman. He had his hands in, in a dairy farm in Idaho, a mushroom plant <laughs> in Fillmore. He owned part of a, a produce warehouse in Phoenix, Arizona that used to be where Diamondback Stadium now stands. Oh, wow. And when, when they wanted that property, he made a, a good chunk of change. 
<laughs> As and he so should have. <laughs> he never he never set me down and said, "Hey, these are the birds and the bees of business." He just acted by example and by supporting me on what I do. You know, he's oh, yeah. what I wanted to do. I, I started my first business at age 15. I was the, the, I'm, I'm into music. I like to listen to music, not necessarily play and, <laughs> and or sing. sing and all that stuff. All right. When I was 12 years old, 11 years old, I bought my first stereo and I worked all summer in the pig farm, earned the money to go buy it. It was $285. It was a Sanyo all in one system. So one, oh, wow. one thing it had the cassette deck on one side <laughs> and then you, you probably don't even remember what would be on the other <laughs> side. It was an eight track player. Yeah. I don't remember a track <laughs> record player on the top and a tur- and a tuner in the middle. Oh my goodness. Little That's did awesome. I know that that was going to become a liability because Uh, every time I would go to town, what do I have to buy? Had to buy the new tunes. That's right. And so it it turned into a liability. (laughs) Oh no. When I got my driver's license, I decided I was going to, to spin records for dances. That's right. You had, you had like a mobile DJ, like disco, right? Yep. That's so sweet. I remember this story. And when you, when you first told me this story, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's so, you cool, know, and man. so in my small town, I had a problem though. Nobody okay. was hiring. I was just getting started. Nobody would hire me. And so as a 15 year old, I would, I went and I rented the community center hired an off-duty cop for security (laughs) mom and dad took money at the door and i spun records and everybody danced and had a good time yeah so i mean you've had that entrepreneur mindset for for a long time that business owner mindset for a while yeah it's something that my dad encouraged and supported yeah so hey i I have a i have a question kind of to go back a little bit and i don't know and and i i just always been curious about this you know you so you started uh, before you started monetize your mindset, you know, you get into this public speaking arena, um, mainly to go in to be the front man, you know, to be spokespersons for these network marketing events. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, you know, I, I guess I've only seen those, but was, is that a pretty lucrative field to be in? Was it hard to switch for you or, or was it a pretty easy one? Like was network marketing kind of like, I, I could do this. I want to do this. Um, but if something better comes along, I'll take that. So network marketing for me is something that I've been able to, I have been able to do and be successful at. Okay. But I've never been able to be the, like the number one earner, the, the ones that like really knock it out of the park. Yeah. So the problem for me with network marketing was I could do it, but the people that I signed up couldn't. Oh, okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, and, sure. And so I, however, I'm a big advocate for network marketing in that it is, it is a level playing field for whoever gets in, no matter what education level you are. Yeah. Sure. It just takes work. It takes um, action and you got to be okay when people say no, <laughs> because people right. are going to say no. Right. Of course. The big thing is, is people aren't okay when their friends tell them no. 
That's true. You know, and yeah, and yeah. then it gets weird with your friends and they, <laughs> they call it the NFL, no friends left club. <laughs> and if you don't get weird and if you just, okay, thanks, I, I appreciate you listening, then, it, it, then it's great. Yeah. If you have something in the network and marketing industry that you can get behind that you like, that you are excited about, meaning the product itself. Yeah. If you get into it just to make money, it's you're you're going to have a tough time. You have to sure. love the product. You have to love the company, the people, or it's it's going to be a tough road. Sure, sure. So that, but for me, I, I still if I if I see a network marketing company that has a, something that I am excited about, I'm there. I'll do it. Yeah, it's another stream of income to me. But as far as why did I go this direction? Yeah. Is because my speech coach loved my story. Yeah. He loved the, he loved my background. He loved my monetize your mindset that initially came up. And that's why I, I don't want to say that I switched. I just, I just decided that I had another thing that I could do with, with my assets, which is what monetize your mindset is all about. Right. It's about asking three questions. Well, that's, that's, let me rephrase that. If we dive deeper, it's about asking six questions and then one final question. Okay. One is, what do you like to do? What do you need to do? What are you already doing? And then let's take it one step further. What would you like to learn? What do you need to learn? What have you already learned? And then how can you monetize those things? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's really about awareness and, and just thinking about, Hey, I have these things that I've already done that I already know. Yeah. How can I monetize what I already know and what I already do? Right. Right. I like those questions. I think they're very valuable. I think that gives a lot of people a great place to start, especially when you're, you know, you're trying to find the next step in life, you know, like, so what do you want to do? Because I think um, for me, in my experience, when it was me, you know, whether I was looking for a job or or wanting to start something new, you know, um, people would ask me that question, you know, well, like, what do you want to do? And I was like, that's a great question. I have no idea, right? Like, what are your goals? I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so a lot of people don't realize that they're in that spot. You know what I mean? They have kind of this vision of what they want to do and, but they have no, they have no idea how to start. Right. Which is, right. which is very normal and it's fine. And these questions give people a great place to start. Right. You wrote a book on this. I did. I have it right here. Just in case. <laughs> Heck yeah, that's right. Monetize your mindset. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love, I love, I think my favorite question, I love the question, what, what do you need to do? Because right. I think that's a great place to start. What made you come up with that question? Well, I, bel- I feel that people overlook the things that they need to do for themselves. They're going to do it anyway that they could help someone else with and get compensated for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm going to do it anyways. So my, I think last time you asked me for some examples and for what do you need to do? My example was weight loss. Okay. Yes. My wife you're right. told me that it was time 
that she was getting more than she bargained for. She would like to see a little less of me. Of course. And she was just joking, but she was right. And so when I decided that it was time, yes. my first question was, okay, if I'm going to do this, how can I monetize it? Right. And that, that's one of the things, monetize your mindset is kind of a habit of asking that question about anything you do. Yeah. Okay. And so when I asked that question, when I asked that question in my head, how can I monetize it? Well, I got to, I got to promote something. I got to find something that I can promote. Mm-hmm. And so right off the bat, okay, what's my website going to be? You know, even when, even in network marketing, rather than my, my advice is rather than promote the company, promote yourself on your own website. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, oh, you become your own brand. Right. And so sure. you brand That's you. So if you everybody. go to a different company, you're still branded as whatever it is you're trying to do. So yeah. I was going to look up, I was thinking of a website. Okay. Well, my goal was my wife wanted me to get back to my wedding weight. And so I thought, oh, back to my wedding weight.com. What a great website. <laughs> I went and purchased back to my wedding weight.com. Yes. Eight years later, I still didn't have anything on that domain. Nothing parked there. Yeah. Because everything that I found that was out there was about the 90-day challenge of me dieting and getting my butt to the gym. That's right. And I didn't have the motivation. I had enough motivation to get to the gym that first time, pay for three years of membership and then not go. And then not go again. That's normal (laughs) for everybody. That Yeah. Everybody does that. Yeah, everyone does that. And and so finally, when I found this this program that was, well, I, I say I found it. My friend called me from California, Beth, bless her heart, because <laughs> she bugged me for a year and a half before I tr- listened to her. But she says, hey, Bart, I got this. I got this new thing. It's a it's a 10 day celebrity transformation cleanse. <laughs> and I said, Beth, I want to do a 10-day cleanse like I want a colonoscopy, and that's not very bad. <laughs> of course. Now, I thought I was being funny, and I was. Come on, that, that's kind of yeah, funny. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. But, man, she paused for a second, and she responded really quick. Well, at your age, you probably need both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I, I, she came up here to an event, and it's a network marketing company. And, sure. and I was really standoffish. I didn't, like I said, I didn't want to do a 10-day cleanse. I, yeah. My thought was I was going to starve to death for 10 days. Right. You know? right. And not just one-time diet. I mean, dying every day for 10 days yeah. is what I thought this was all about. Yeah. I went to this thing with her. I was real standoffish. I even brought my laptop so that I could act like I was doing something else and not paying attention. (laughs) And I went up to this guy who had a story where he lost 90 pounds in four months or something like that. Anyway, I said, I said, Lavalli, no network marketing BS, no sales BS. How hard was it? He says, dude, I can promise you one of two things is going to happen you're going to love your results or you're going to not, and you're not going to be able to do it and you're going to get your money back. So what have you got to lose? Yeah, there you go. So I tried it and, and I found this, this system that worked for me because it was 10 days at a time and I could focus. Yeah. It's, 
I lost 18 and a half pounds my first 10-day cleanse. Oh, wow. I lost 11 pounds my second one. So in less than a month's period of time, I was down 28, 29 pounds. That's impressive. What that did for me is now I'm excited. Yeah. That, yeah. That, well, that would get anybody excited. <laughs> you know, and, and number one, I could, I, I could get behind this product. And so, bam, I'm parked on a website. I'm back to my wedding weight and it's turned into a stream of income yeah. off of something that I needed to do. Right. I did two more cleanses and in two months and five days, I was down 48 pounds. Wow. I was back to my wedding weight. So I hit my goal. But the point is, number one, I needed to do it for myself. And it turned into a stream of income. Yeah. I think, I think that's a great place. I think that's the best place for people to start is like, what do you need to do? Because, you know, I've, I've thought about that a lot, you know, for a guy um, I met, you know, it was for him, like he needed to find a job. And so, you know, how do you, you know, so he learned a lot about how to navigate the uh, interview process, what questions they ask, how to answer the questions best, like how to present yourself. And I was like, you know, it was after we had our talk the first time. And I was like, dude, why don't you teach people how to do that? Like everybody needs to know how to do that, especially right. during Corona. When you, when you apply for a job and there's 80 other applicants, like how do you cut through the noise? You know right. what I mean? How do you meet the right people? How do you network? And, um, and, and it started after our conversation of like, that's what he needed to do. And so he learned everything he could. And something we were talking about, and I think we're both on the same page for is, is, you know, these ideas don't have to be you know, million dollar, multi-million dollar, billion dollar deals. You know what I mean? They just have nope. to be something that, you know, you enjoy and that can give you what you want to reach your goals. Right. Right. And even when you said enjoy, I don't enjoy weight loss. Sure. Well, yeah. let me rephrase yeah. that. Yeah. I enjoy losing weight. <laughs> I don't the enjoy the process. Hard. Yeah. The process is tough. And so when it comes to the things you need to do that you're going to do for yourself, you may not enjoy them, but right. you're going to do it because you need to for yourself. Right. Let's take it to what you need to learn. I mean, I think this goes right along with what you're saying with your. That's right. Yeah. What, what do you need to learn? Yeah. With what I do for myself, I've needed to learn SEO. I need to learn social media. I can, I get compensated for helping other people with their social media or their SEO. Yeah, that's great. I mean, but I don't necessarily want to do that as a full-time job. But if I have, if I have clients in my monetize your mindset genre, yeah, helping them with their side hustle, find their ideal side hustle, then what am I going to be doing anyway? I'm going to be helping them market their business. Yeah. Yep. Something that I needed to learn for myself. <laughs> right. No, I mean, that's a great idea. People, and you know what's so funny about that story is when I started uh, my first online business, um, it was crazy, like how much we had to learn. Now, my first online business was um, considered by like e-commerce, the e-commerce industry and world as a high risk. Um, we sold CBD online even though it's totally legal, um, it, it was considered high risk. So we had to learn a lot more than just, you know, go to Shopify, find a 
find a supplier and make a website. You know what I mean? Like we, right. we had to do a lot. And what that helped me with was, yeah, it was helping people. It was so interesting. Like all the stuff you learn, you don't realize how many people don't know that, but want to do the same thing, you know? So we had to learn, you know, a lot about guerrilla marketing and that's how the podcast came to be. You know, we had to learn a lot about um, merchant accounts and we certainly had to learn about negotiation and then inventory. And then, you know, how do you make a website with this kind of stuff? How do you navigate these laws? And I, that, and that's kind of why I love talking to you, you know, partly because you're awesome. And partly because, you know, a lot of people don't, don't realize that. Like when you, when you set out, like I want to start an e-commerce business, all that stuff you have to learn and prepare for and work through, you can go and teach to somebody else. I think teaching is a very underrated uh, mode of income. Right. And for, you know, some of the people, some of the problems that they come up with or have that keeps them from getting started, is they have this, well, I'm not qualified or I don't know enough. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my friends, Dr. Paul Jenkins, he's a pathological positivity psychologist. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a, say um, that three times fast, right? Yeah. <laughs> he said, one of his statements is to a third grader, a sixth grader is an expert. Mm. And yeah. so there is, there is an audience for whatever level you're at. You that's just need true. to find that yeah, audience. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, because people got to start somewhere. So, yeah. I mean, you, you have your coaches that'll get you to the next level and then you go find a coach that'll take you to the next level after that. And, but you have to have them, right? Like when right. I was in sales, I would tell sales guys that like, well, you start here, start with this guy. He sells X amount of he gets X amount of deals a month, right? So learn from him, get comfortable. And then when you're ready, we'll, you know, we'll bump you up because a lot of people think you have to go from like zero to whatever, you know what I mean? Like, right. let's say a, a successful number in their industries, 500 grand, you know, they think like in two months, I got to be hitting 500 grand. Well, that's not the, that's normally, it's not the case, right? It's very right. rare that that happens. And, it, and I even have that same block sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Because when it comes to residual passive income, I have never had more than 10,000 a month as a residual income that just came in right, through a network right. marketing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, whether it's real estate, whether it's network marketing, and my average is probably in the the 3 to 4,000 range. Yeah. You know that that's small potatoes to a lot of people. But, you know, that's, that's, but that's money though. I know. And, and you have to realize <laughs> so that cool. you have to realize that there's tons of people out there that would like what I have. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same with whoever you are. You have something that other people don't have. Yeah. And you can, and you can make money for that. I think a lot of people don't start for another reason. I think a lot of people don't start because um, they think that, you know, that's not enough money right? Oh, it's not worth my time, but man, right. I don't know, man. Money's money to me. It's green. If, well, it's, if it's green, it spends. And it's like, it's <laughs> like you said, this isn't about getting rich quick. It's not yeah. about, it may not even be about getting rich at all. My, right. my statement for monetize your mindset is we create financial security by monetizing those things that we already know or do. Yeah. So that we have the resources for what happens when what happens happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we're right in the middle of what happens happening right now. And a lot oh, of people dude, would yeah. like to have the, the residual income that's comes yeah. in right now. I mean, 
I mean, during the pandemic, who wouldn't want an extra three or four grand that you didn't really have to think about that maybe you had to work 10 or 20 hours a, a week to yeah. keep consistent, like 10 or 20 hours a week is nothing. Right. And if you can, if you can find something like that, that can pay you enough. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Especially right now, maybe before people would be like, ah, it's not worth my time. But certainly now <laughs> people are thinking about it. You know what I mean? And they're right. realizing that that is important. Well, and you know, one of the things that monetize your mindset is about is like I said, being prepared. Yeah. yeah man. And yeah. I, I, when this pandemic happened, I felt like I was prepared because I had quite the emergency fund from the extra income that was coming in. Right. And, and so I've been able to live fairly comfortably and fairly um, non anxiety filled <laughs> life yeah, because yeah. I had that set up. And, you know, it's one of those things that you, we never know how long this thing is going to last. So that's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. But yet I haven't had to stress severely. Now, when it first happened, like most, well, I don't know. I kind of had a deer in the headlights look when it first happened. I was like, oh, oh crap, yeah. my, I had all these goals for 2020, man. It was going to be a great <laughs> breakout year. And then March. Oh man. A lot of I, things I think, were wiped out. Well, I think, I don't think anybody got, came out unscathed on this one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everybody got affected um, because it was just crazy, you know, and, and really it happened so quick, you yeah. know, it, it was like, I remember I was in retail and it was like one day we were, we had business through the roof. We were going, we were going. And then literally one day later, overnight, nothing. I mean, right. that's how quickly the faucet turned off and, you know, and then it came, you know, it's sort of, but that it was shock. It was like, we were all shocked. It was, you know, it was like, you know, sticker shock. It was just like, yeah. what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah. No and clue. We had no clue. Yeah. It was, it was kind of, for me, it was a deer in the headlights look for about a month and then it was yeah. time to, to move on and to yeah, get, and then to just do get some going. things. Yeah. Get going. I think that's, I th and I think that that is another great reason that people should read your book and, and should follow you is because you, you know, you have the opportunity to, in the face of, in the face of, March, 2020, right? Yeah. You still, you can still come out on top and find a way to monetize your mindset. Right. And then yeah. your, and then your mindset of like, Hey, look, look, I was kind of crazy before. I don't need a million dollars. I just need three or four. And now you can start doing that. Right. And then right. you can work to the million dollars. Cause I, cause I'm also not an advocate for like, you'll never get there. Like I, I'm sure I've interviewed some people who will be like Jeff Bezos one day. Um, but they were okay starting small. Right. And, and I, since you put that, brought that up, I'm not about not getting rich. You know, one of the stories, <laughs> one of the stories from my book is, is uh, the Jamberry founders. That's right. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and their story is that her and her sister were walking out of a, a salon. Jan Berry is the, the nail wraps. Yeah. And they had just got it done in the salon. This was in 2010 where that's the only place you could get it done. It was in the salon and it was about 40, 50 bucks a pop to get it done. Yeah. And they walked out and one simple phrase, one of them said to the other, we could probably do this at home for cheaper. 
<laughs> that simple phrase turned into by 2015, Jamberry was a, you know, a $500 million company. Yeah. And they sold 50% of their company for a multi-million dollar deal. And yep. just that, that awareness. Right. And that simple question changed <laughs> their life forever. I mean, that's the famous last words, man. I bet and we quick, can do it for cheaper. <laughs> quick, yeah, yeah, five yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, dude, I'd love to, I, we should have those guys on, but because, because that's a great story. I mean, you just got to start you, but, but I think the most important part about that story is they just started. Like it wasn't about the 500 million. You know what I mean? In fact, I think, you know, I meet people who, when they start that conversation, you know, we could probably do this for cheaper. You know, they're not looking for huge profits, right? Yeah. They just want, they just love this so much, you know, especially in the beauty industry. I know a lot of like cosmetologists and estheticians who they, they do their work because they love making people feel beautiful. Right. Right. And, and when that's your motivation and when that is your thing where you're just like, man, we can help people, we can help people feel beautiful. We can solve a problem. We can do X, Y, Z. You really got something. And if you can, and if you can save people money and help people out, I mean, you've really got something. Right. And, and that is exactly their story because yeah. she said, we just wanted something to do together as a family wow. to have some fun and make a little extra money. Wow. And at the end of the interview with her, I asked her, I said, okay, so if you could give advice to people, what would it be? What's your best advice? Yeah. And she said, even if you don't know the ins and outs of the business, start and learn as you go. Oh, I love that. Because that's what <laughs> yeah. we did. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that goes right into uh, Richard Branson's quote about when someone comes to you with an opportunity, if you don't know how to do it, say yes and learn how to do it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You commit first, figure it out as you go. Figure it out yep. later. Like, I wish so many people would realize that because, because I tell people, like when I tell people I got my bachelor's degree in accounting, I, I tell people, I ba- they're like, what does that mean or, or whatever? And I'll go, I basically got a bachelor's degree in problem solving <laughs> because, <laughs> because what I learned, I, I went, I have finished my whole degree online. And what I learned, the biggest lesson that I learned was that if I didn't know the answer to a problem, I had to find out how to get the answer. Right. And, and when you're put in that kind of situation where in business as an owner, um, as somebody who's got to, you know, figure something out quick, that's a skill that you can just run with. You it's know funny. I've mean? never really thought of that, but now I look back when I do my QuickBooks <laughs> and you have a, a dollar or even 50 cents discrepancy in your books, you got to go figure out where that is and find it. You, you right. can't move on until you find it. Oh yeah. 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 Cause it'll throw everything off. Yeah. It'll throw everything off. That's so funny. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's true. It's like, man, we got, I, you know, and, and if I don't know how to solve a problem, like what online college taught me was that I, you know, cause we couldn't ask teachers. We didn't have peers there. I mean, if we asked a teacher a question over email, we were lucky if we got an answer within a day or two. And, and by that, and by that time, I feel like it, So if you didn't ask your question early enough or, or if you were way too deep in an assignment, <laughs> you didn't have one or two days. Right. You had to go figure it out. And so YouTube became my best friend. I learned how to ask questions differently, right? Because, you know, 
you know, you can't take a picture of your problem and put it up on Google. There are some apps that can do that, but it's not as intricate. So I had to learn how to ask questions differently and where to go and these different websites and people, you know, very like, very scrappy. And, right. and that's a wonderful feeling. So that's why I tell people commit first and figure it out. Cause if somebody's willing to pay you to do something and you're not, not so sure, well then you're going to get real good at problem solving and that'll pay you a ton of money in anything you do. Yes, it will. <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. And you, and you, um, and you started, that was one thing that you did, right? Right after the FBI turned, turned you down, you went, um, you took that shot, right? You went yeah, out so, to Japan. Yeah, I, I was, like I said, I was, I was depressed. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was doing yeah. landscaping, which I, I didn't mind. I, I, from the farm work, I knew yeah. how to landscape. My boss said, man, if I had five of you, I would be a millionaire. <laughs> But he didn't have five of me, only had one, and he was paying me five bucks an hour, which this is back in the 90s, so that was the going minimum yeah. wage or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Going rate for a college student, I guess. Yeah. And seriously, that's what I was doing, and a buddy of mine, he just jokingly asked me, he said, so would you like to go back to Japan? And he worked for the bungee jump company there in, up in Logan. <laughs> and yes. he was joking. And I was just kind of like, hmm. And he, he told me how much it would pay. You know, he's like 15 an hour plus expenses. Yeah. Uh, your apartment, everything will be paid for. I was like, well, that's three times what I'm making now. <laughs> My accountant came out in me and I was like, oh, okay, makes sense. Yeah, yeah I'll do it. <laughs> The, you know, we talked about how luck is when opportunity and preparedness meet. Yeah. Yeah. And then like take that. action on that. Right. Yeah. And then go. And so two months later, I was in Japan pushing little bit Japanese people off the top of a bungee tower. Yeah. And wow. Two, a, year, a year later, <laughs> we put up another five bungee towers. Yeah. 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 And I think in Japan, they had a, we put in a total of 12 bungee towers. I trained the staff and, and did the initial, the initial opens at, at several of those. Yeah. And, you know, it was fun. It was. Yeah. What a on deal. Our, on our biggest day, we did, we put <laughs> 783 people. We pushed off the top of the tower. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's a deal. Yeah. And that, and it all started from you not being afraid to say no or yes. Right. It's right. like, you just got to be willing to, to do something. And that's where I feel like you get the most opportunity. Like when you stop caring about, Oh, uh, you know, how much money is this going to pay me? Now, obviously you were making more money and obviously it was a good situation for you. Right. But for people out there, I, that's what I tell people. I'm like, if you, if you turn down these opportunities, if you say no too much, you know, um, cause there's a time and a place to say no, right. To turn down opportunities. But right. what I, but my point is, is like, if you turn down too much or if you're too scared or if you're too worried about how much it's going to pay you, like it's not going to work, you know, it's, it's not yeah. going to get you there. And if I had said no to that, my life would be totally different I'm because sure. from that I was, I was kind of bored over there. So I would go, I found me a gym. I went to the gym at nights. Yes. Two weeks while I was going to the gym, nobody said a word to me other than the staff. Cause they, I'm this huge guy gene, this huge gringo <laughs> in Japan. Yeah. And 
Finally, this one guy that was about my size, my height anyway, he comes up to me and he goes, hello. <laughs> and I said, hello. Yeah. And we started talking Japanese and he became my business partner a couple of years later in exports to Japan. I shipped camping trailers, trucks, wow. a lot of things I shipped to Japan, the parts for the such. I just shipped over a $30,000 duck boat. Wow. You know? and, <laughs> Holy cow. But that all came because I said yes to go to Japan. That's right. And then let's take it one step further. In that same gym, I... I stalked her for three years, but finally she became my <laughs> wife. Wow. Uh, I always had a girlfriend back home whenever I was over there. So I didn't date until this one time I was there without a girlfriend and I had seen her at the gym for three years. Yeah. You know, I would go there, go back, go home, go to the Japan, come back to the U.S., go back. So on and off, I had seen her come to the gym. She'd come in late most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> get in line to do aerobics. And when aerobics was done, she was gone. Wow. And so I met her there whenever I was there without a girlfriend and I asked her out and now she is my wife. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's a dude, that's amazing. And, and just goes to show like that, you know, life has a way of happening when you just accept it, right. When you just go right. with it and you do as much as you can. Now, before we wrap up, um, you, the, the, my favorite story is the one is, is the last story that you told last time. And I'm going to ask you to tell it again, because that's my, that, that blew my mind when you, when you told me that story. So tell, tell everybody what it's called and run through it one more time. Well, and the, and the story came about the first time is, I think you just asked me, what was your, when my closing remarks be? And I, Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know, what's the and one I thing said, you tell um, that, don't leave anything on the table. Be aware of the opportunities around you and, and take advantage of those opportunities. Yes. And I got a lot of my, I got all of my monetizer mindset stuff from my dad. And even in dad's death, he taught me. And so did I, I asked you if you had heard the story of acres of diamonds. Right. And I had and not until then. Yeah, Acres of Diamonds is a, it's a story that's been out for a long time. It's a true story about a Persian farmer. His name was Ali Hafed. He sold his farm, went in search of diamonds. He died broke alone in a foreign land. He never found those riches. Yeah. The farmer that had bought his farm was watering his camel in a brook, saw this strange rock in the water, reached down, picked it up. It was a diamond. Oh, wow. Lo and behold, he found <laughs> acres of diamonds in what was Ali Hafed's backyard. Oh, man. And so my, my story is similar. Yeah. Except it's called Acres of Pig Poop. <laughs> yes, this was great. So I grew up on a, on a farm in southern New Mexico. In, in our small town, we had more pigs than people because of us. <laughs> At any one time on our farm, there was 20,000 pigs, at least. Yeah. You know, all sizes, all ranges, 20,000 pigs makes a lot of pig poop. Yes. We had three man-made ponds that we would divert the stuff into and, you know, go into one, one year, move it to the next, the next year and just switch it, rotate them. Well, in his mid sixties, dad decided it was time to shut down his pig operation and go look in search of other things. Yeah. 
Well, he died at age 81. He never found his next acres of diamonds. He never found his next big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Six months later, we sold the farm or a couple of years wow. later, we sold the farm wow. for $235,000, which was a fair <laughs> price for the property. Yeah. It was a good deal. Everybody got paid. Yeah. Six months later, the guys were leveling those man-made ponds that we had had. They were, they had long been dry on top for years. Yeah. But the heavy grader, as it was grading along there, broke through the crust and sunk up to its belly in this black muck. They called in some experts to have a look and and see (laughs) what it was. And right there on the spot, they offered the new owners of our farm $2,000 a ton for this stuff. Oh, my God. God, that's a dollar a pound for old pig poop. <laughs> that's so awesome. It, it, it makes great fertilizer. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, and so there it is, right? It was right underneath your nose. <laughs> yeah. 500 tons of the stuff was wow. literally acres of diamonds right under my dad's nose. Wow. And here's the sad thing. The farm that we sold for $235,000 is now worth over a million dollars. Yeah dang but it's such a powerful story though well and the question i would ask your audience yeah what is what are you overlooking are you overlooking stuff like my dad or ali hafed yeah is it right there in your backyard yeah and i'm sure you know your grasp yeah and the questions that you ask in your book help people to find that because the next question is well how do i know what i have right right well go go read bart's book Ask yourself yeah. the questions, really dig, be aware, become self-aware. I think, I think self-awareness is the key to, to, to making money. Yeah, you know? that is. Awareness is, is so important in, you know, Jeez. whether it's, whether it's your opportunities, yeah. whether it's realizing what you're good at, what <laughs> you're not good at, what you need to do yourself, what you need to pay someone for. Right. You oh know, man. Awareness is key to, to life. <laughs> well, that's it. That the, I love that. That's, and that's a great place to, to end. And I'm, I really appreciate you being here, Bart. Really appreciate you doing this again. Cause we lost the first one, but <laughs> this one was just as good and people are going to love it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you.